All right, church, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, and we will look at verses 11 through 17 today in just a moment. <clears throat> Luke 7, 11 through 17. I wanted to comment uh, real quickly, make a comment referring to last week's sermon um, that I told Bob that I would uh, make a note to do, um, just so in case, in case there was any confusion. Uh, you know, last week's sermon was really the emphasis of the text is that how unworthy we are, you know. And so we, we really emphasize that, that we are, we're unworthy sinners. But I, but I wanted to remind you guys that as Christians, you, you have an infinite amount of worth because you're in Christ. And you can come to the Father, and He is there for you anytime. So let's always remember that, you know. As sinners, we are unworthy. We're unworthy of anything good from God, but because we're in Christ, guys, we have access to the, to the Father 24-7. So, amen. Just want you guys to remember what I, you know, what I was saying and what I was not saying. So, it's always good to keep that balance. But the title of the message today is Arise, Dead Man. Arise, Dead Man. And um, we will look at that text in here in just a moment. Matter of fact, let's read it right now. Let's read it right now. Uh, Luke 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in all the surrounding districts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your word today, Lord, um, Lord, desiring to hear from you. We come humbly, and Lord, I just pray that, that you would assist me today, God. Pray that you would help your people to receive your word, Father. We pray that your Holy Spirit would, would help us to apply this word to our lives today, God. And, and just pray that we would leave here loving Christ more than we presently do, Father, that, that his will would be accomplished that he would be glorified today, Father. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, Arise, Dead Man is the title of the message. Um, have you guys heard that phrase floating around? He gets us. You guys heard? <laughs> Has everybody heard that? Okay. Well, hey, well, I may surprise you, but I'm going to agree with that statement. He does get us. <laughs> he definitely gets us. You know why he gets us? He created us. <laughs> he, he sees all things. He's omniscient. He sees down to our heart. The Bible says, Christ... His eyes are like a flame of fire, meaning He sees everything going on in your thought life, my thought life, our motives. He gets us. I think that's a true statement, but very misapplied. And so the whole idea, the whole idea of that, that movement, that He gets us, it's really just a, uh, at the heart of it, it's a seeker-sensitive movement that Christ, you know, and I didn't, I didn't look at all the images, but I, but I know that there was a picture of... Um, 
of a, of a man washing a woman's foot outside like an abortion clinic. And I, and I heard that you could see some Christian protesters over here. That's, this is what I was hearing, I think, by Todd Friel or whoever was explaining the picture. Just really what this whole movement is, it's almost an attack on Christians who are out there to try to minister the Word of God to people. Don't, don't listen to them. God gets you. He gets you in your sin. You don't need to listen to these rabid, you know, radical Christians to, you know. But what is the, what is the message of Christianity? That you need to repent. And, and so much could be said about that, but I do want to agree that He gets us. You know, what he, you know what He gets about us? He gets us that we're dead in our sins. Okay? Jesus is fully aware that you and I are dead. <laughs> that we're spiritually dead. That's what we're going to look at today. He is our Creator. He gets the fact that uh, because He is our Creator, He gets us that we're male and female. You understand that? He created us male and female. He gets that. He gets the fact that uh, a man shall leave his mother and father right, and cling to his wife and the two shall become one. That marriage is between one man and one woman and that any other marriage is not marriage. That it's an abomination. And that I would never count you to go to a trans wedding or any other wedding that would be abominable before God. Jesus gets us in all these different areas. He gets, he gets the fact that abortion is the shedding of innocent blood, that it's the murder of children. He gets it. And He hates it. He hates the hands that shed innocent blood. He gets all of that. <laughs> you know, a statement that I was thinking of when I was listening to some of this whole talk of He gets us, because that's this, this whole movement of He gets us. You know, the, the world... You need to know who the true Jesus is. He's just full of love and compassion because He gets us. And the world, you know, if you'll just be like Jesus, the world will love you. That's kind of what they're saying. Did Jesus say this, that the world loves me because I get them? He didn't say that, did He? No, He said the world hates me because I testify about it that its deeds are evil. He gets us. He gets the fact that our deeds are evil. And that was His message. He said, you'll be hated as well. He gets the fact that we are lost. He gets, he gets us. That we are sinners are lost. And that's why the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Because He gets us. He gets, the, he gets the fact that we are sinners. That the wages of sin is death. Right? That, that we are under God's wrath. And so we're going to see this today, guys. So, so the whole movement, it's almost like they think conservative Christians, don't, we don't believe that Jesus is compassionate. Of course Jesus is compassionate. We're going to see His compassion today. And we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to worship Him for who He is, that He is a compassionate God. He's a loving God. But He's also a God who has authority. That's the part they don't like. He has authority and He has power because you know what it means that He has authority? He has a right over our lives to tell us how to live. And in His authority, He commands... Sinners, and he's told his church to proclaim that message to the woman going into the abortion clinic. Ma'am, you've been commanded to repent. This is sin. This is wicked. This is evil. This is murder. Because if we don't communicate the truth to people, they won't know what they need to repent of. The gospel will not be good news. So, no, Jesus is not some squishy. Jesus that just wants to go to the abortion clinic and wash the lady's feet who's about to go in and kill the baby. That's not Jesus. 
That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Did you know if you read on their website, um, they, they admitted that they just focus on His humanity and not His deity. No, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus has all authority. And He commands sinners to repent. We could say much more about it. But, um, and then, of course, the text Jamie just read to us, in His authority, he's been, he's been given the right to judge from the Father. So this, so this Jesus that they portray is not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus has all authority, and everybody who dies and stands before God in judgment will be standing before the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father's given all judgment to Him. So, I say all that, I think that's a good introduction to our sermon because we're going to see Jesus in His, really in His fullness today. We're going to see His compassion, we're going to see His love, His tenderness, and also His authority and His power. I think that's what we'll see in the text today. So let's, uh, let's, let's look at verse 11. Really kind of a way to set this story up. It says in verse 11, Soon afterwards he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. So soon afterwards, soon after, soon after what? Well, it's what we looked at last week. His healing in Capernaum, where he healed the, uh, the centurion's slave. And so we, we mentioned last week, we, we really see Jesus in His ministry now, right? He was preaching the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is, uh, that's, He said He came to preach, right? So we see Him preaching the Word of God to the masses, and now He's, he's going on to these different places and dealing really with, with individual people. We're going to see that again today. But it's, it says soon afterwards, so this happened almost immediately after he, he, His healing in Capernaum. And it says in verse 11, he went to a city called Nain. This is a very small town, roughly 20 miles south of uh, Capernaum. This is the only time it's mentioned in the Scriptures. Very insignificant place. And um, said so his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. So obviously his ministry was growing in popularity. He always seemed to have a crowd with him. He has disciples with him. Really his... Um, I love the fact that his disciples are with him because he's always doing that very thing, discipling them. They're seeing all these things. And, and of course, this crowd of people is seeing this as well. In verse 12, it says, Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. A dead man was being carried out. So here, here Christ is with His disciples in this large crowd. And it just so happens, as He gets to the gate of this little insignificant town, that a dead man is being carried out. Isn't the timing just amazing? Do you think that's an accident? <laughs> no, it's no accident. This is no accident. You know, our, our Lord was on a divine timetable. But, I, you know, guys, as Christians... Let me, let me ask you this. Of course, nothing is an accident in anybody's life, right? Nothing's by chance. God is sovereign. But specifically in the Christian's life, do you think things happen in your life by accident? Do you think people come in and out of your life by accident? Do you think you bump into certain people throughout your day on accident? Oh, no. None of this stuff happens on accident. What we're going to see here, guys... In a moment, as we look at this text, this is a confrontation of life and death. The author of life is going to confront death. 
But before we get to that, I want you to, I want you to think about that. I think we can camp, on the, camp out on that for just a minute, that, that, that your life is not an accident. Not, not your life, but the events in your life. The people that God brings into your life and my life. And so can we have eyes to see this? You know, I was thinking about this. This really hit me because I'm guilty of this so often. I get so absorbed in my own life, in the busyness of life. And I'm, and I'm speaking about throughout like my day at work that I get so absorbed with the, my business that I miss so many opportunities that are not accidents that God brings people in, into, your, into your life. It's really the whole idea of being led by the Spirit. Guys, we need to be we need to be sensitive every day when we get up to have time with the Lord. To, to Lord, lead me by your Spirit. I want, I want to be sensitive to what you're doing. He will bring people across your life that will be no accident if we just have eyes to see it. I want to share an example of this that happened about a month, month or two ago. It was, on a, it was on a Wednesday because this is a day that I actually got it right. <laughs> and I share this, guys, because I, I struggle with this very thing. I get in my day and I get, sometimes I get so stressed and frustrated and in a hurry. And I just, I just think, man, I, I just, I'm not even thinking about these kind of things. The, the, the people that God brings into my life. But it was, it was one of the Wednesdays that I was not able to make it. You guys went ahead and had church. I think Jamie led. And I, and I texted Trisha. I called her that morning. I was like, I'm not going to be there tonight. This is one of those days. I got a town that was, or a route that was out of town. And so I'd had that happen before and I just got stressed out and just had a miserable day. Just stressed out. Just really, really not being led by the Spirit of God. And so, but this day I was like, Lord, it is what it is. Yeah, my desire is to be at church. My desire is to be with the body. But you're, you're in control of my day. This is the day you've given me. So I just, I prayed. And as I was driving down to Sulphur and that, that part of the state. And so my mind was right. I was being led by the Spirit, sensitive to what He was doing. And so I wasn't, I had a very long day, very stressful day. But, it, but it, I didn't let it get to me. And so, for example, on my lunch break, I was sensitive to these things. I got to hand out a few tracts to some people. And then um, I was down there in Sulphur area, which is, you know, an hour and a half south of Oklahoma City, until like 6 o'clock. And so I had to stop that, that I've been to this place a few times here recently. And this guy's a real friendly guy, real easy to talk to. We have good conversations. And so I was just sensitive to, to, to Lord, I don't want to waste this day. And so this guy, it was right after New Year's. Because this guy was talking about, I don't remember whether he said he was partying or he used to do it and all that. And so I was like, because it was just like, man, it's happening so quick. So I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, I used to, I used to live that kind of lifestyle, you know, but, but the Lord saved me, whatever, whatever I said. And uh, so that kind of opened the door and he kind of, he kind of perked up and he was, and, and I could tell he's like, yeah, I'm trying to clean my life up. He was just, of course, he's loading my trailer. He's like on a forklift and I'm walking beside him and he's, but I can tell. He's really interested in this stuff. But he's just, but I can tell he's he's misguided. So he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to clean my life up, and I and I'm and I'm talking about what Christ has done in my life. And finally he just stopped me. He goes, Man, what's the secret? You need to tell me what, what's the secret? And I was like, Well, so I so I went into the gospel and um, just like, hey, it's not a matter of cleaning yourself up. And so I and, and again, this is happening so fast, but somehow along somewhere along the way, gospel tracts were mentioned. And, he, and I don't ever give those to customers. I got in trouble for that years ago. But he, he said, man, I'd, I'd like one of them. 
And so he met me out of my truck, and I got to share Christ with him more and share the gospel with him. Told him I was a pastor of a church. He thought that was pretty cool. But, but I just thought, I just praised the Lord. The whole, I was like, this day was glorious simply because I finally learned my lesson on that day. And, and my wife said she was praying for me because she knew I struggled with that. But I share that, guys, just as, a, as, a, just as an example of in your everyday life, guys, God brings people into our life. It happens every day. I just happened to, to be ready for it that day. And it was glorious. It was glorious. The, the point is, guys, is there are dead men and dead women all around you every day. Do we have eyes to see it? Do we have eyes to see it? Or are we so absorbed in our life? That's a challenge for all of us. Okay, I say that knowing how challenging that is. But nothing's by accident. And so, so what's going on here? This dead man is being, obviously, no accident. Christ meets him at the gate of the city. This is a funeral. That's what this is. This is a, a, a procession coming out of the city. The custom of that day that the dead would be buried outside the city within 24 hours of death. And, uh, and so the, the setting would have been this, this dead man being carried by his friends on like a stretcher. The, the NAS says a coffin, but it wasn't a coffin. It's more like a stretcher, almost like a couch or a stretcher. And so he, would be, he was being carried by his friends with his mother up near the front, who says is a widow, a widowed mother near him. And so this is a funeral. That's what it, this is a funeral of that day. And, and a funeral's, hey, that's another great opportunity to minister to people, by the way. You don't even have to be the man, obviously the man preaching the funeral, it's a great opportunity. But, but that's a great opportunity, funerals or just the death of loved ones, to minister the gospel. What, what do funerals remind us of, guys? It reminds us of not just death, but the sorrow of death. You know, you know we're, we're shielded from that in our culture. Just the horrors of death. You know, you go to some of these poor countries and you see death. You see dead bodies. We don't, I want to say we're protected from it, but in a sense it doesn't protect us. Because we don't see the horror of death. Our culture doesn't see the horror of death. They almost glamorize it. But death is a horrible thing. And it's not natural. Have you heard people say, well, it's just a part of life? No, it's not. Death came in because of what? Sin. Death came in because of sin, and it's horrible. Romans 5.12, what does Paul tell us? For as by one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. No, death was not part of the original creation. It came into the world. It invaded this world because of Sin. Sin is horrible. Death is horrible. But we know that Jesus came to what? Abolish death. In 2 Timothy 1.10. Jesus Christ came to abolish death. And to bring, to bring life through the gospel. And, and that's the one who is here. That's the one who meets this, this dead man on a stretcher. Right here at the gate of this little town. The one who came to abolish death. And so it says, we see the setting here. In verse 12, verse 11 and 12, we saw that Christ had a, a large crowd with Him, His disciples. And then in verse 12, a sizable crowd was with this dead man and, her, and, and his mother. So, he, so you have a big crowd with Jesus. You have a big crowd following, following her. And you have the disciples. 
Again, this is not an accident. This is no accident. Jesus is... Uh, Luke, Luke recorded this. What was Luke's purpose in writing the Gospel? If you go back, remember when we first started this last year? His whole purpose in writing this is to show that Christ is the Savior of the world. Okay, we've already seen that Christ... We, we've seen His authority in His preaching. We've seen His authority over, over demons. We've seen His authority over sickness. Now Luke is going to give us with this... With this and Jesus had this massive crowd witnessing all of this, that He has authority over death itself. So none of this is by accident. This is a glorious setting. So that kind of sets it up. Now let's look at a couple things about our Lord. And the first thing we're going to see in verse 13 is our Lord's compassion. Okay? So yeah, we do agree with the ad that He gets us. Jesus is compassionate. He is loving. He is tender. So we're going to see that in this, in this first point here in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, He felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. He felt compassion for her. You know what makes, you know what makes Christ's compassion so compassionate, guys? Because again, we deserve nothing good from God. That's what makes His compassion compassion. Because we deserve to be cast into the Dumpster of eternal hell for all eternity. That's what makes His compassion so great. But we see His compassion even in this lady's life, in this young man's life today. It says He felt compassion for her. For her what? For her loss. He understood her loss, her very situation, her suffering. We see the compassion of our Savior right here in this verse. It's a very sad picture. She was a widow. So she would already been through this. She'd already been through this, this funeral, having her husband carried out, and, and so this was her only son. What would this mean? That, this means that there was no one left to provide for her, no one left to protect her in that day. There would also be a loneliness and a sorrow that her family line had ended. This is a very sad story. You know, in the Bible it talks about in Timothy, guys, that the church should care for widows. It says, for those who are widows indeed. That's what it means, somebody who's a widow. Because many times in our day, a, a widow, they'll have much family that can take care of them. And that's the family's supposed to take care of the, of the widow. But they're, those who are widows indeed, they, mean, they, are, they are destitute. The church is commanded to care for widows. Okay, But that's what we see going on. That's what we see going on. Um, and he, he knew all this. He knew what this lady was going through. He felt compassion for her. The Lord knew her, her very situation, just like we stated a while ago. He knows all things. Yes, He gets us in that sense, doesn't He? He knows everything you're going through today. He knows your situation today, just like He knew this lady's. Did you know He has compassion on you as, as His child? He knows your situation better than I know your situation, better than you even know your situation. And He has compassion. Listen to Psalm 68. Verses 5 and 6. Jot that down if you, take, if you write them down. He's called a father of the fatherless. Our Lord is. A father of the fatherless. Some of you in here today, you don't have a father. Maybe your father passed away. Maybe some of you never had a good father. You know, there's a father in heaven who is a father of the fatherless. That's who He is. 
and a judge. The NAS says, and a judge for the widows. That word judge, it's used, it's used in the sense of like, like the book of Judges, meaning, meaning he is a defender, a protector, a champion. That's who Christ is. He's a father of the fatherless, and he's a protector and a defender and a champion for the widows. He understands your condition today. He has compassion upon you today. A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in His holy habitation. And it says God makes a home for the lonely. Isn't that beautiful? That's who our God is. God makes a home for the lonely. Are you lonely today? Are you lonely today? Many people battle with loneliness. Even Christians. Are you lonely today? Oh, understand this, that God makes a home for the lonely. That God is always present. Are you suffering today? See, this is the same God, guys. He's the same today, is He not? Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God as this as we read in Psalm 68, and He's the same God as we read about in this story in Luke 7. He's no different. He understands your situation. He understands if you're lonely. He understands our suffering. If you're a Christian here today, if you're a Christian, please understand you're not alone. You're never alone. Ever. You're never alone. Christ is with you. His Spirit is with you. His Spirit is in you. You have Christ. He is is with His children. He will never leave us nor forsake us. You have Him. You have His Word. You have His Spirit. But can I also say you have His body? What is the church called? His body. That's not just a a little cute little statement that the Bible uses, guys. Christ is the head of the body. Christ is in heaven, right? His body is on earth. His body is the church. If you're a Christian, you not only have the head who is Christ, but you have His body. You have the church. Picture His body. What, what does the Bible say about His body? We're different members of the body. We're different parts of the body. You, you maybe have those who are a mouth. You have His body. You have those Christians who can minister to you with their words. With their kind words. That's what the church is here for you. Do you take advantage of that? That's the question. That's the application. Do you you take advantage of God giving you the body of Christ in the local church? You have a hand. A member of the body may be a hand for somebody to come and put their arm around you and comfort you with kind words. That's what the body's for, guys. You're not alone. You have those who are the hands, those who are the feet to minister to you. Do not isolate yourself. The devil wants you to isolate yourself away from the body. But you you don't ever have to be alone. This is who God is. God cares for you exactly where you're at. He knows all about your situation. And He's there for you. Do not isolate. This is the doctrine. If you want to talk about church membership, this is it right here in the New Testament. That's what the church is here for. For what? To be accountable to one another. To be there for one another. We're not just a bunch of Christians as islands to themselves. God has given us the church. And He ministers through His church. So be available. 
Be available, be available to be ministered to and be available to minister to your brothers and sisters. Amen? Beloved, He knows our suffering. Look what it says in verse 13. Before it says He felt compassion, but before that it says, when the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw her, He felt compassion. That means He saw her in her grief, in her suffering, in her tears, in her sorrow, her exact situation. You know, you know what that means? She did not escape His notice. This is the God of the universe. And yet He saw this widow and He felt compassion for her because He is the Father of the fatherless. He is the protector for the widows. And we see Him right here in this story. Oh, and dear sheep, you don't escape His notice either. We must understand this. You do not escape His notice. He has compassion upon you. Go to Him. Take your burden to Him. He's big enough. Look what He says. He says, do not weep. When the Lord saw her, He felt compassion for her. And He said to her, do not weep. You know, that, that may seem insensitive if you read that wrongly. This is not what He's saying. Stop crying, lady. <laughs> no, that's not what He's saying at all. If we could have been there, it would have been a very spoken very tenderly. You know, you know what he means by that? Oh, lady, please do not weep. If you only knew what I was about to do. He knew what he was about to do. And he, those are comforting words. And tender words, don't weep. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're at sitting in this room, anybody who would hear this message, don't feel hopeless. If your heart's still beating, don't feel hopeless. If you're a Christian, He's always there. Always. He's in you. You have His Word. You have His Spirit. You go to Him in prayer. Right? Because of, because of what He has done, the throne of grace is open to us 24 hours a day. We have His church. We have His body. Just like He was ready to comfort this, 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 this widow, He's ready. He, he stands ready to comfort you today. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to feel hopeless. You don't ever have to feel hopeless. If your heart is still beating, you don't have to feel hopeless. He's eager to comfort His own. And guess what? He's eager, just like He was eager, we're going to see, to raise this man from the dead. He's eager to forgive sins. That's who He is. Did you know He has put you where you're at so that you would turn to Him? The Bible teaches that in Acts 17. He, he, he has placed you where you're at. And I'm speaking to those who, who haven't come to Him by faith and repentance, who haven't bowed the knee to Him. You know He has, he has placed you where you're at you may be at a place in your life where you could look back and, and you just you just maybe maybe your your mistakes, your sins are like a mountain. And maybe you're realizing it for the first time in my life. You know, he's allowing you to see that. He he's allowed you to go through everything you've been through so that you would turn to him by faith. He's eager and ready 
to forgive your sins. We even see his, um, we see his compassion in that little phrase at the end of verse 15 as well. Just look at that real quickly. I didn't want to miss that. It says, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Not only did he raise this man, as we'll see in a moment, but he gave him back to his mother. That's just a picture of Christ that he restores things. He restores things. You know, many times he restores relationships in this life. I mean, sometimes you come to Christ and certain relationships get worse. But he can restore relationships in this life. But but make no mistake, he will restore. You know, you think about what, what where my mind went when I see this is him restoring those relationships in eternity. Maybe you've lost a loved one who knew Christ. He's going to restore that because He's so compassionate. He's so good. That loved one, that loved one who I know we're all miss, who's here with us, uh, we'll be with our brother. We'll be with our brother. Uh, he's, he's, going to get, he's, going to, he's going to restore that relationship, give him back to friends and family. Listen to, listen to Psalm 86.5 and we'll move on to the next point. Just, just that He's ready. You understand how ready God is to forgive sinners? Psalm 86.5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Ready to forgive and abundant and loving kindness to all who call upon you. Christ is ready to forgive. Christ is much more ready to forgive than we are ready for Him. Jesus Christ is ready to forgive. So dear friends, if there would be anybody who would hear this message and you're breathing today, you are not hopeless. Amen. Amen. Christ is ready to forgive. That's why He came. He has authority on earth to forgive sins. He has power to forgive sins. And He stands ready. Turn to Him. So God is compassionate. Our Lord is compassionate and tender and loving. And He understands where we're at. And if you're His child... You have no concept of how much you are loved. We have no concept of the love of God for His children. It's unconditional. It will never end. Nothing you could do will ever change it. He's not angry with you. You know that. His anger fell upon Christ. All of the anger and condemnation that we deserve for our sins, even the things we don't do that we know we should, right? Sins of omission. That's all been paid for. God's not angry with you. Okay? He's not angry with you. He loves you. But secondly, let's see, let's see Jesus, right? We want to get the right Jesus. He is compassionate. But next we're going to see our Lord's power and authority in verse 14. We saw His compassion. Now we see His power and authority in verse 14. And He came up and touched the coffin, and the bears came to a halt, and He said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. I've always loved this text. First time I've ever preached through it. Listen to John 10, 18. Hear the power and authority in Christ's words in John 10, 18. He says this, No one takes it from me, but I lay down my life on my own accord. He said, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Do you hear the authority in that? He's speaking about His resurrection. He's speaking about His bodily resurrection. And we've discussed this in Bible study. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, here it says He did. 
Other places it says the Father did. Other places the Spirit. But He is God. That's what He's saying. I am God. No one takes my life. I lay it down. I raise it up. I have the authority. You see, people don't want to talk about that Jesus with the authority. And so we see here in this text here, in verse 14, this is the first preview that we have of resurrect, this resurrecting power. Of, the, of these stories of, of Jesus bringing a dead person back to life. This is the first one. We'll see another one in Luke 8 when he raises the daughter of Jairus. And then obviously in John 11, there's the one with him raising Lazarus. Remember that? Lazarus, come forth. Did Lazarus argue with him? He's like, no, no. He came. <laughs> he came forth. But, but the things that were a little bit different about these, that these could be called a, a resuscitation. Because eventually these men and these, these people died. But it's a preview of this resurrect, our resurrected bodies. We see the power of Christ. And one thing that was different with this account, this was unsolicited. Nobody asked him to do this. We really see just his, not only his power, but his mercy. He just does it. The widow didn't even ask him. He just does it. And look at verse 14 again. He came up and touched the coffin. And the bears came to a halt. This would have shocked the Jews. In Numbers 19, it talks about if somebody touches a dead body or the grave of a dead body, he would be unclean ceremonially. But Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. He is the author of life. He has authority over death. Right? He's not corrupted or contaminated by death. Because He stops death in its tracks. No further death. You will come no further. It reminds me of Proverbs 8, verse 29, where it says the Lord, I'm just paraphrasing here, but the Lord sets boundaries for the water, right? For the waves. What does He say? You'll come this far and no further. That's what Jesus is doing here. Death doesn't corrupt him because he has authority over death. You will come this far, death, and you will come no farther. It, we just see his authority here, his power. Don't you feel safe when you have authority nearby? You know, when you have authority nearby, I was thinking of um, just how inconvenient airports are. You're going through the line, you know, you got ever since 9 11. <laughs> I mean, I don't like going, but I'm thankful for it. Because what happens if they find something? You're not going any further. <laughs> the authority says, nope, you're not going any further. That's what Jesus is saying here. To our biggest enemy, death. We just see the authority and the power that Jesus has over death. Aren't you thankful for that? I am so thankful that Jesus came to destroy death. He came to destroy it. And He says these words, Young man, I say to you, Arise. You know, you think, of, you think of this whole idea of authority. Think of, you know, God establishes authority, right? In the home. If, if, you're, if you're at school, your, your, your teacher has authority. A policeman has authority. And think about that. Think about the teacher talking to the young child. Sarah at home talking to the young child. Those of you at home school. Or the policeman. Or the parent. Yes, I'm talking to you. <laughs> talking to me. Yes, you. That's the language here. 
I say to you, arise. Yes, death, I'm talking to you. He has authority over death. And you know, in these other areas of life, you know, many of the children, they don't obey every time. The criminals, they don't always obey the police. Okay? You can escape that, but death obeys Jesus Christ. At His words, death obeys. John 11, 25 and 26. This was the account of Lazarus when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. There's one of His I am statements. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you hear what He's saying? Whoever believes in Me, though he die, right? We will all die physically. Though he die physically, yet he will live with Me forever in heaven. And the one who lives and believes in Me here in this life, will never die. In other words, you will not experience the second death because Christ has defeated it. He has authority and power over death. Simply at His Word and at His authority, death obeys. Do you see Jesus asking permission here? Death? Um, Is it okay if I raise this man? Nope. He doesn't ask any permission from death or anybody else. He doesn't ask permission from any of the seeker-sensitive churches of his days. Is it okay if I raise this man? No. He just raises him. In church, nowhere are we ever told to ask permission from the dead to preach the gospel. From those who are spiritually dead. Because that's what people would have us think. Did you get their permission? Those people who are spiritually dead and hate your God, did you get their permission to preach the gospel to them? We don't need it. We're just to preach it. And somehow, don't ask me, what are we seeing here? What are we discussing today? The doctrine of regeneration. And don't ask me to explain how it happens. It's when the Word of God and the Spirit of God come together, it produces life. That's it. That's what we see. John 5.21 For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He wishes. Authority and sovereignty in this verse. Just like He gave physical life to this young man, right? Without permission. Beloved, He can give spiritual life to that loved one in your life who maybe you've witnessed to or prayed for, don't give up. John 5.25, truly, truly. That passage that Jamie read us, that's speaking about the two resurrections. This first one, beloved, in this verse is the spiritual resurrection of regeneration. That's what this is, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. Now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's speaking about those who are spiritually dead. A time is coming when those who are spiritually dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Have you heard His voice? 
Did you hear his voice, Kelly? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come to me. Those who hear will live. And church, there's only one way that they hear. Right? There's only one way that they hear. The way God has set it up in His Word. And that is through the Gospel. Being proclaimed. Just like He told Ezekiel, go and prophesy to these dead bones. And I will give life. Every time we go preach the Gospel, every time you witness to a lost person, you are witnessing to a graveyard. And no amount of sinner's prayers can bring life to them. You preach the gospel to them. Tell them what God says. They've been commanded to repent and believe. And you pray. God will bring life. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. How do they hear? Right? There's only one way to hear. And faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The Word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. How can they hear without a preacher? You know, I was talking to Daniel about that. It doesn't matter where you're at. You hear the same thing no matter where you go in this world. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Stop preaching. They hate it. doesn't matter where you go. Stop preaching. He gets us. Just, just wash their feet as they're going into the abortion clinic. Don't tell them to repent. No, that's not what the Bible says. They must repent and believe. And how can they hear without a preacher? And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see His compassion. Aren't you glad Jesus is compassionate? Oh, He loves His children. Church, He loves you today. He loves you. He knows where you're at. He's given you a body to minister to you as well. Let's take advantage of that. Amen? Amen. I need you guys. And we see His power and His authority. And then last we'll see our response. Verses 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17, our response. So the dead man, verse 15, the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. So, our response to His compassion, to His tenderness, and to His authority and power. What should our response be? Well, it says, the dead men set up. The dead men set up. You know, some will say, have you ever, have you ever heard this? I'll never believe your message. I'll, I'll never believe your message. Or, or, no one wants to hear this. Well, guess what? If He calls you, if He calls your name, and He says, just thinking of a name, Bill, come forth. Guess what? You'll set up. So the first response we will have, we will set up. <laughs> yes, Lord. What did Paul say? Saul. Yes, Lord. What would you have me do, Lord? He went from like one minute hating Christ, riding on his horse, going to persecute Christians, getting knocked off his horse. This is what happened to him right here, what we're talking about. And the next thing he's going, what do you want me to do, Lord? <laughs> That's what happens. Oh, we've told one of our sons that before. Oh, if He calls you, you'll come. And you'll come willingly. And you'll think, how could I not have come? <laughs> Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 5. So I'm leaving out three, 2, 3, and 4, but 1 and 5 kind of sums it up. 
Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, a child of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, there's His motivation, <laughs> because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive. I see power, authority, and sovereignty in that. He didn't ask your permission that day when He raised you from the dead. You know what He said? Arise, dead man. That's what He told you. At some given point in your life, if you're a Christian, He said, arise and come forth. I remember when that happened to me. Not Maybe not necessarily the exact moment, but I remember. I remember coming forth as a new man. Arise, dead man. What about after we're alive? In, in verse 15. So the dead man set up and began to speak. He began to speak. He set up and began to speak. What does this tell us, church? If He raises you, you'll begin to speak. <laughs> you'll begin to speak and testify Amen. what great things God has done for you. Is it not a natural thing to testify about good things that happened to us? Right? I mean, I've enjoyed hearing Bob here lately. Man, our house is finally sold and we're closing. Why? But we naturally testify. I got a great night's sleep last night. That's a good thing. We could all go around when you got something to testify of. What about when God raises us from the dead? Do we testify to that? This man began to speak. I thought I was dead. And he sets up and begins to speak. Look what it says in verse 16. This is all just the response. It says, fear gripped them all. And they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited His people. Fear gripped them all. You know, we see that in the Scriptures. Anytime somebody encounters the true and living God, you know, maybe a, maybe a pre-incarnate Christ or even an angel, there's, there's always a certain amount of fear about it. And so, and so the unbeliever should be the fear should be, they should be terrified. Should be terrified. You know, the church, I've heard it said, the church should be, you know, if an unbeliever comes in your midst and the, and the worship and the, the adoration of Christ and the Word being preached, there should be a fear of God when an unbeliever comes into... The worship service is not designed for... The loss. It's designed for the people of God. And there should be such a presence of the holiness of God that there should be a fear. But, but an unbeliever, you should be terrified of God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the most, I think the greatest deception is when you talk to somebody who you know they're not ready. And they say, I'm not afraid to die. Oh, that is such a deception. But, but it should lead a believer. It's a different kind of fear, right? We, we fear God. Yes, there's a certain amount. It's not a dread. Yes, we fear God because He's so awesome. We know who He is and He has saved us. What we deserve. And, and it should lead the believer to glorify God. Fear grips us, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is what causes a man to depart from evil. 
So it's a healthy fear of which this world knows nothing of. Romans 3.18 All these things they do because there's no fear of God before their eyes. So it should cause us to fear, right? We see somebody else. We see God's power. That's what we're seeing here. When we see God's power, it should create a reverence and a desire to glorify God. So they said a great prophet, a great prophet has arisen among us. They were probably thinking about the Jews, probably thinking about Elijah or Elisha, because they had done similar things. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah raised the son of the widow, Zarephath. 2 Kings 4, Elisha raised the Shunammite son. So maybe they were thinking, oh, we got another, another great prophet like Elijah or like Elisha. Yes, is he a great prophet? Yes, he is. But much more than that. He is the prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy 18 that would come. And he's not simply a prophet. Amen? He's not simply a prophet. That's what the Muslims say. Or he's just a prophet and he didn't die on a cross. Oh no, He is the prophet that God promised. The one who would come to teach the Word of God to the world, to the nation of Israel. He would preach and proclaim. He was a preacher. But He was also a priest. He was the great high priest who offers the sacrifice of Himself as the one and only mediator between God and man. He was much more than a prophet. He was the priest. Jesus said, or uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, For I delivered to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and He rose again. He is the Son of God in power who, who was raised from the dead and He was also our King. He is our King. He's not just a prophet. He died on the cross. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And He is the reigning King who has all authority and commands even the Muslim to repent and to believe the Gospel. It says God has visited His people. Yes, He has. But many of them, many of the Jews of that day would have thought, oh, God has visited His people. Maybe this is the Messiah. And He came to deliver us from the Romans. But no, He came to do much more than that. He came to deliver us from death. And he's, and, he's, and he's providing the example of who he is. Luke is recording this. Theophilus. Remember? That's who he was writing to. And all those who would read, this is the Messiah. Look at him. Hundreds witnessed this. He has, a, he has authority over death. He spoke to this dead man and he rose. That's who he is. Verse 17. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in the surrounding district. Our response, guys, should be the same. Our response should be the same. We should, we should speak, right? <laughs> we should speak. We should glorify God in all that we do. Whether we eat, whether we drink. No matter what we're doing, the believers to glorify God in all that we do. Speak and testify of Christ because only the power of God can raise a man from the dead. Only the power of God can make a new creation. Can take a man who hates God and make him a lover of God. So we should testify to this. And in verse 17 it says, This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in the surrounding district. 
What, what report? This guy was dead and he's alive. And they took, they took the story and spread it, right? We would do the same thing. My goodness, this guy was dead and now he's alive. What did Jesus tell us in Acts 1.8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. You shall be my witnesses. I was dead and now I'm alive. Are you a witness for Christ? Have you, have you seen the risen Christ? Has He raised you from the dead? We're to take that message to all over the world. You know, that's the purpose of our church plan. That is the purpose. Not saying we're the only ones. But that is our purpose for planting this church. That's the phrase that we use. We want to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is that I was dead and now I'm alive. And Christ is the one who raised me. That's the, that's the heartbeat of our church and of, of this fellowship of churches. That we want to take this message that I was dead, but I'm alive, and it only comes through Christ, and we want to take it to Jerusalem. Take it in your personal lives. Testify of Christ that you were dead and now you're alive. Take it in Judea and Samaria, right? Let's branch it out. Those in your family don't listen. Go to the highways and the byways. We want to take it to our community, to our neighborhoods. Downtown, proclaim the gospel from the housetops. I was dead, now I'm alive. This is what Christ told me in my quiet place this morning, what He whispered in my ear, and I'm here to tell you about it. That's why we exist, church. That's why we exist. If that's not, let's close the doors and go home. But that's why we exist. To the, even to the remotest parts of the earth. That's why we adopted Daniel as our missionary. Because he's proclaiming the same message on the other side of the world. And, we, and it's our way to, to be part of that. That's it. This is it. Acts 4.20. We cannot stop speaking. Right? The apostles arrested. Threatened. Beaten. We can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. What did you see in here? I was dead and now I'm alive. And I want to testify to this Christ who raises the dead. So have you seen Him? Have you seen Him, church? Have you seen Him deliver you from the bondage of sin? That's who He is. He is a deliverer, like the psalm that I prayed. He is a deliverer. He rescues and delivers sinners from sin and hell and death. Have you seen that? Have you heard? Have you heard His voice come forth? Arise, dead man. Arise, dead woman. It's very simple, church. If you haven't, look to Christ today. Look to Him. There's no other way. There's no other way. Ignore all the other voices. They're liars. Look to Christ and live. Call upon His name today. Right? He's ready to forgive all who would call upon Him. Today. Do it today. If you have heard His voice, then go tell somebody. Amen? Amen. Tell somebody. Let's pray.
Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your kindness. Thank You for Your grace, Lord. We thank You that You're not just Lord, loving, but You're holy. That's what makes Your love so astonishing, is that You're holy. And Your justice will not and cannot be compromised. But You punished Your Son in our place so that You could remain holy and just and yet merciful to all those who would call, call out to You, trust You, Thank You, Father, for who You are. Thank You for Your Son. Father, use this message for Your glory. I pray that Your church is encouraged by Your compassion, Your care for them, and their their suffering. That You're there when they're lonely. You're there when I'm lonely. And You've provided Your body to minister to one another as well. Father, we just thank You so much for your plan, God. We could never come up with this plan. Lord, of Christ. Of Christ being predetermined before the foundation of the world by the foreknowledge of God to suffer at the hands of godless men and be put to death on a cross. We could never have come up with that, Lord. We thank you for your wisdom, Lord. The wisdom of the cross salvation of sinners, Lord. Please use our church, God, in this moment of time, in this, in this place in your world that you created for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.